can you run a successful company without having daily startups? Yes, you can. But will it grow slower? Will you get to your goals slower? Will the team be less cohesive? Yes, to all those things. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm really excited to welcome you into one of my personal business obsessions, <laughs> business processes and systems, something regular listeners will know. I've been completely deep diving in last year. Producer Jane writes on the side of the script here, you know, why don't you share some of the reasons? Did you feel like you missed out on business opportunities in the past because you weren't appropriately systematized or why all of a sudden all the interest? And for me, part of it is the intention to grow and meeting certain levels in a business, whether it's headcount or revenue number, where you just start to run into frustrations where, you know, motivation doesn't seem to cut it or a good idea about what the next move is doesn't seem to cut it. You seem to need something more. And it's been very helpful for me to separate out this business growth journey into three different categories. And I'd love your feedback on this. For me, it's like there's personal things you can do. Like that's like health therapy. There's a, there's a long line of things we could identify there. Motivation. There's industry consulting things you can do. That's like understanding important things about the marketplace, going to conferences, understanding important tools and unique strategies, sort of maybe industry consulting. And then there's business systems which is what we're going to talk about today. And sometimes I think you can kind of stack the first two and build a really good cash flow for yourself. But often we run into this situation where we just don't have alignment. There's some herky-jerkiness in the business or you just can't get out to focus on growth because you're putting out fires all the time. Whatever it is, most of us at some point end up needing business systems. And that's where I found myself mid last year. So it's just been a big theme and a journey on this pod. So one of the best parts about having a podcast like this is you get to meet people, read books, share the lessons, and create this feedback loop. And today's guest is one person I've met on this journey. His name is Aaron Lin. He's a member of the DC, and he's a self-confessed systems person and has been since college for reasons you'll hear in the interview. Currently, he's a business systems consultant and coach. And so when I met him at our event in Bangkok, I was really curious about his insights and I was impressed by his agility around the practicalities of implementing systems and businesses, which is something I know a lot of founders, including myself, struggle with. Tell me about what it looks like when you come into a company. There's all different kinds of ways you can grow your business. You can go to a conference. Yep. You, can, yep. you can get a mindset training. You can get a life yep. coach. There's sort of different ways to go. Yeah. Usually, when businesses have problems, uh, like you said, it's usually one of three things, right? It's either going to be sales and marketing, it's going to be a mindset issue with the business owner, or it's going to be something with the internal ops. And for me, I personally make it very clear with clients like sales and marketing, mindset stuff, like, look, guys, I'm pretty good with that stuff, but I'm not your expert there, right? But here are a bunch of other people I know who are really great at that stuff who could help you out. 
if you don't have product market fit, you can't make enough sales, you don't have a marketing system, there are other people we can speak with about that. But if you're having problems with the teams not motivated, they're not using the systems you've set up, you don't have systems, you don't know how to hire, fire, promote people and build a culture, that's what I can help you with. When you say systems, do you mean like my project management? That was the first thing that jumps into my head when you said yep. people aren't using the systems. It's like, no one's logging into Basecamp. <laughs> <laughs> so systems, uh, for me, the definition of systems is people plus tech plus processes. Anything along or a combination of those things is a system. And if you think back to like, let's go back to like, let's say the 70s or 80s where computers were really a thing. Back then, it was really just people and processes. That's your system because there was no technology. Now, technology is literally everything we do, which is you know why Basecamp or Asana or ClickUp is the first thing usually comes to mind when you hear the word system. Do you come into a business and say, like, let's start from first principles and write down your goals and stuff like that? Or do you say, hey, where are we getting hung up? And we're going to dig right into why people aren't using your SOPs. Mm, it's usually both. So you need to have the dig right in approach as well because clients want quick wins, right? They need to see progress. And systems is not a fast process. It takes yeah. time usually. So usually, you know, okay, here are a couple of things that are going to make an immediate impact and save you five, 10 hours a week of your management time. And then here are the things you actually need to do, like figure out your goals, like figure out your values in the company, figure out what the vision is. And that stuff, personally, I think is the more important stuff. It's just the stuff that business owners usually don't want to do because it requires them to sit down and actually think and ask difficult questions. The simplicity of that is so utterly difficult, writing down your values. Mm -hmm. How did you end up here? How did you become a believer? Because it's interesting, so many founders aren't believers. They get drugged kicking and screaming into the mission, vision, values mm -hmm. conversation. Yep. How yeah. did you arrive? What was your moment where you're like, I believe this stuff? Yeah, so I, I've worked in corporate. I've run my own companies. When I first joined the DC, I just exited out of one company, which was like a performance marketing company. And I was running a company at the time called Asian Efficiency with a co-founder. And we grew quite fast. You know, we scaled to seven figures quite quickly. And we were like, this is management chaos. We need to figure out a way to... Uh, Tell me a little bit about what Asian Efficiency did. I know a lot of our listeners will be familiar, but if you could... Yeah, so it was started by my co-founder, Tan Fab, and myself. And we basically did productivity training for professionals in the US and Europe. And at the time that I left, we were about 12 people worldwide, spread across four or five different time zones. And we were like, no, we can't just run this. Back then, we didn't even have Slack back then. What was it? Tip chat by Atlassian, it's like the early version of Slack. But you can't run a company remotely of that size without systems. And I'm a systems guy. I always have been, it's what I studied in university. So I was like, okay, let's go and find the best system. And I think back then, the only sort of like traction style thing available was something called The Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish, which granted was not a particularly well-organized book, but you know, we read it spent like a year implementing it throughout the company, got it all together, built a really strong culture and everything else involved in that. And then, yeah, we ran with it. That's how I got into it. And it's what I've been doing since. What's the difference between personal productivity systems and business productivity systems like traction or scale up? Yeah, with personal, you can tailor them very effectively towards one individual person. With a, I guess, business or a team productivity system, you need to be able to work with different personality types. Every strong team is going to have different personality types. You're going to have 
if I'm going to really stereotype you, I'm going to say yeah. you're going to have like a visionary type, right? Who just you know wants to have great ideas and throw them out there and generally create what I call chaos. But that also you know drives innovation in the business, right? You need that person. You're also going to need the people, people, the people who can do your business deals, your business development, the people who can negotiate contracts, the people who um, just want to be out there running the team or working with clients. And then you're going to have your, I guess, your back office and systems people, your integrators, who just want to sit quietly in the background and run the company. They don't want to speak with clients. They don't want to sit and have giant brainstorming sessions. They're just like, here is the work. Here's what needs to be done. We need Mm -hmm. to do it. Now, how do you build a system, a productive system, that lets all these people work together? That's a very different ask from saying, oh, you're a creative type. Here is the kind of productivity setup you need to run your life, to give you maximum creativity. What do some of these business systems do to like accommodate for successfully for different types of personas? I would say there's a foundational bare minimum that all these systems need to have. So say you take something like Basecamp or Asana, which is you know my preferred project management system. They will do all the basic things. They'll let you set tasks, put them in projects, assign due dates, uh, have comments for collaboration. But then beyond that, what's laid on top is a set of processes, which are basically an implicit agreement between the different members of the team on here is how we are going to work. So you could have Asana for two companies in the same industry, same company size, maybe even the same client space. But the processes laid on top will look different depending on the composition of the team. And I would say in my experience, the personality or the type of the founder of the company or the CEO is going to have the biggest impact on what that process layer looks like. What would you say to founders who have the belief that if they have a good enough business, none of this really matters, that you just power through with profit Mm -hmm. and, and beautiful, elegant product market fit? I say go for it. There's two reasons I say that. The first is if you don't want to grow beyond four or five people, go for it. You don't really need systems. The other side of that is I've seen a lot of founders who are still in early stages. They have product market fit, but they haven't scaled up big enough to justify having systems. But they want to. I feel like they've read Traction or Rocket Fuel and it's done them a bit of a disservice. They're like, oh, I can just be the visionary and have all these great ideas and never have to do any work in the business. I'm like, well, no, because setting up all this stuff requires resources. And by that, I mean, you know, cash and people. And you don't have those yet, right? It's not time to step away from setting goals, from being part of the culture, from running the team. If you do that at three people, what you're going to end up with is a company that in five years, if it's still around, you can't even recognize as your own because you just just Mm. weren't there to parent the business through the early stages. I would say most businesses, if you haven't crossed, personally, I want to see like over a million in revenue instead of lost team members. But I would say if you really want to push it, if you haven't crossed the half a million dollar year mark and have at least five team members, you should not be trying to implement something like traction or scaling up. The bits and pieces will help, but it's you're not going to be used to its um, maximum effectiveness. Focus on sales and marketing. Scale your business first. <laughs> Sell more stuff. For, what is it, Michael Masterton, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm sure you know this. Ready, ready, fire, aim. Michael Masterton is like... Yeah, ready, fire, aim. Until you reach your first million dollars, don't worry about anything except selling. I'm like such a big fan of scaling up in traction because I, I mm. love what they're trying to do. I like scaling up a little bit better, but it's it's like yep. purely academic. <laughs> it's not like a real... 
a real thing. I wouldn't say that, Dan. I think there is a significant difference between the two. Traction was written right after the first Skelligar book, which was the Rockefeller Hardness, which granted was not a well-organized book. And all respect to Gino Wickman, I think he basically took the popular concepts out of Rockefeller habits and spun off his own system. I think what Traction misses are a couple of really important things. There are no daily meetings in Traction. In fact, he almost like stays away from it because let's face it, what business owner wants to be told like, you have to show up at 9am every day for the team. Remember, you're working for them, not for you, right? No one wants to hear that. Vern Harnish said uh, that that's the most undervalued system in scaling up was the daily stand-up. I 100% agree. I used to run, after Asian Efficiency, I ran a 40-person agency with four offices. If we did not have daily stand-ups, we would not have made it through. I would say that. I would say the emphasis on financials inside scaling up is much stronger. It forces you to really think about cash cycles, to learn about forecasting, to actually be like, did we just pull this profit number out of thin air, this estimated profit number for next year, or did we actually calculate it properly? And that's not a comfortable question for a lot of smaller business owners because they're like, you know, as as much as they know, they check their bank balance and maybe if they're really good, they have zero and an accounting for like the ninjas or something to help them out with their books. They've never done any real financial forecasting. It's interesting when I started this whole process, I too like think the cash focus and scaling up is important. That was actually my starting point to get Mm -hmm. a baseline was to have more nuanced financial intelligence and then to get pro forma out into the future. And it's like, like all my goals, everything are like based on this, like fundamental knowledge that I need to know. Yeah, this should be, right? What else? I'm curious. Keep going on this topic. Something that Traction does well, I think the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer, is much more streamlined than the one-page strategic plan. I think that scaling up, the scaling up version of that becomes overwhelming for smaller business owners. I think doing the whole thing, people just don't want to do it. This is too many pieces. But the VTO is a very nice streamlined version of that. I think this still bugs me to this day. So if I remember correctly, in scaling out rocks, rocks are three to five year initiatives that need to move the business forward. And in traction, rocks have become the quarterly Quarterly. goals or OKRs for everyone. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with the idea that everyone in the business needs a level, needs a goal. I think everyone should have that. The terminology difference just annoys me sometimes because you speak with someone and they're like, oh, we we have rocks. I'm like, which version? Three to five year one or the quarterly one? I had to even go back. Why are we calling them rocks when they're just goals? I know. Yeah, they're just goals, right? They're just objectives or priorities. What do we want to call them? It's from Stephen Covey. That's what it is. Vern Harnish loves Stephen Covey. I think. The rocks in the glasses thing, right? In the glass. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess. But I feel, you do feel a little bit like, it's a little bit precious to be like, let's talk about our rocks, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean things I got to do this quarter? Exactly. I would say Um, that traction has much better marketing and adoption among smaller businesses, most definitely. Scaling Why do you up, think they, that is? Oh, it's just the way they position it. Like, by the way, fun fact, you can email Vern. He will, he will email you back. He emails everyone back. But he is really targeted at like EO-sized businesses. So we're talking like, what is it, $10 million and up, founders yeah. under 40 kind of thing. More of the startup slash semi-corporate almost. Or going into corporate uh, kind of crowd. Traction is like, no, we work for everyone, Right which is why I think it's found much more popularity. And definitely Traction has a much stronger marketing machine, I would say, than scaling up. For better or for worse, I don't know. Probably not the five to 10 years before we know the answer to that one. 
But yeah, uh, it's it, definitely more popular. They definitely are a lot more aggressive with recruiting consultants and having a whole program built around that. I don't know. Just like if you were picking your sports team, I would pick like the scaling up squad, I think. Yeah, my preferred thing is, you know, even with smaller companies, implement scaling up, but don't implement the whole thing. There are certain parts of it that you, you don't really need to worry about as a small business, but there are definitely things in there that you absolutely should implement. Almost universally, the first thing I recommend to people is the meeting rhythm, like the traction, it's the meeting pulse. And to actually implement it the way it's written in the book, not mm. the various bastardized versions that I've encountered over the past <laughs> few years. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we, we have a weekly meeting. We, we have a quarterly meeting. Like, how long is a quarterly meeting? Oh, about 45 minutes, you know? Like, I just start some things we want to do and then people go do them. Like, no, that's, that's not implementing. <laughs> I know what it feels like to show up to a job board and understand that whatever price you're gonna pay and whatever amount of time you're gonna spend writing that job ad, that's just a fraction of the whole deal. Hiring takes a ton of time and money, especially if you get it wrong. That's why in 2023, we've created a more affordable way for you to work directly with our experienced recruiters to help you get the result and the hire you're seeking. Check out our new service, it's called Guided Hire and it starts at just $14.97. With Guided Hire, an experienced team member on our team will help you determine a hiring strategy and promote to the best candidates, even if they're not on our own job board. Dynamite Jobs will help you track them down and hand deliver and filter for you only the very best applications. Our recruiters are executing this best in class strategy all day, every day with great results. In fact, last year, we made over 100 direct hires. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Let me just read some of these. Our recent hire, senior designer in Colorado, a full stack engineer in Kosovo, technical support in Hungary, technical project manager in Dominican Republic, all kinds of jobs, all kinds of locations, all kinds of salaries. Check out our team at remotefirstrecruiting.com. We can help run the strategy for you and guide you to the result you seek. So save time, get expert support, and execute a world-class hiring strategy for every single hire. Head on over to Remote First Recruiting. Dot com and give the team a call. What are some of your other pet favorite exercises or ones that are not in the programs that you really think ought to be? There's a concept called three hack. So BHAG is your big, hairy, audacious goal, which is like the whole Jim Collins 10 to 20 year big picture blue ocean thinking thing. Three hag comes from a lady named Shannon Burns Susco. So she was one of Fern's early evangelists, I suppose. And then she founded and sold a couple of reasonable sized companies, I think in like the $40 million range or something. Wow. And then she wrote about her experiments in, in using scaling up. And she added something to it called the three hag, which is your three year highly audacious goal. The reasoning being that at the 10 to 20 year mark, you're really just making wild guesses. A lot of things that we use now, we didn't have 10 years ago. I mean, the iPhone's like, what, 14 years old? Like, who could have thought about that? And what she said that at three years, three years is like a good time frame. You could reasonably say, unless there's a dramatic technological revolution, the business is probably going to look like this in three years. And we yeah. can actually plan back quarter by quarter to actually you know, get there over 36 months. Another thing that I've seen done that I don't believe is in scaling up, I call it competitor analysis. It's basically you work out the qualities of your business, your product, your service, 
and the characteristics of that product or service that you care about. And then you rank yourself in your competitors and you plot it in itself or Google Sheets on so a graph. So we did this for a couple of our businesses. It's called the white space exercise, I think. Yeah, and you look for the white space, right? Yeah. You look for where no one is competing or where it's over-competitive. And then you like, do we want to position ourselves there instead? That's a really nice one I recommend people do. The other one we, that I really like is uh, Jim Collins' flywheel exercise. I don't know if you've seen that one. I've um, seen it. I don't think I was a fan. <laughs> I don't use it that much. But uh, what did you like about it, Dan? <laughs> it was illuminating to me because the things that ended up on my flywheel weren't the things that we were talking about in our business on a daily basis. And so that was really illuminating and trying to figure out how to get the team and the rocks and the KPIs onto the flywheel has been an initiative, is going to be an initiative in Q1 for us. Yeah, I think I can't remember who said it, like the most underrated thing in business is for a business to actually just sit down and think. The thing about process mapping, like at least in the way that I've done it in the past, is it's like really cool, but it doesn't like rank order. Like you have all these processes everywhere. And it doesn't like rank order them, whereas the flywheel forces you to choose six, like the virtuous cycle. Mm. And I think that was what was, mm. it forced us to pare it down. Yeah, I think with process mapping, one thing that companies make a mistake with is they map processes they don't really need to map. If you were going to process map, I would start with the core processes that I would start around the customer journey, because that's what drives the business, right? No, no customers, no clients, no money, no money, no business. Start with that build all the process around that, and then go out from there. Cool. So Aaron, you know, I'm a prospect. I think about hiring you. I go to your amazing website, love it. And I think about hiring your services. Tell me about how your business model works. Why not become an EOS consultant? Wouldn't it make your life so much easier to sell clients? Or do you prefer to build out a custom system for each particular client? I feel like with an EOS consultant, I would have to be constrained to what they teach. <laughs> hmm which may not be in the client's best interest, right? Like, again, no disrespect to Jito. Um, Traction is a great system. EOS is a great system. But sometimes businesses just need something a bit more tailored to the personality of the founder. You know, some founders really don't want to do daily startups, even though I keep insisting that they, they should do it. It's really good to <laughs> the company. Your business will grow faster. Um, it's true. Yeah. I still but, can't bring myself so, to do it. Some really don't want to do it. Okay, fine. We will find, we'll find a way around that. Okay. What do you say to founders on that point? I'll tell you what I say to founders. I'm like, look, can you run a successful company without having daily startups? Yes, you can. But will it grow slower? Will you get to your goals slower? Will the team be less cohesive? Yes, to all those things. What about the different time zones objection? How do you deal with the people who live in Europe and Asia and all that? Group your team by time zones. Problem solved, right? You got an Asia team. You have a US-Europe team. You know, between those two groupings, you can work out what time zones you need to do. Do you have any problems with people coming at the end of the day? They just talk about what they're going to do the next day rather than what they're going to do today. No, so the way the way you structure a daily stand-up is you talk about what was done in the last 24 hours and what's going to be done in the next 24 hours. So it doesn't matter what time zone you're in, you're always going to be synced up what was done and what will be done. Aaron, what's a book that founders could read that would be inspiring to them that's not something we mentioned already? It's called The Goal by Eli Goldratt. The Goal? Yes. It has three versions. It has a geeky business book version. It has a fictional business story version and it has a comic book version. All three are very good. Oh, cool. 
it's a business story about how you can actually measure everything in your company and how systems will lead you to the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a really good book too, written by a very smart guy. Big shout out to Aaron Lynn for letting me publish what was essentially a consulting call. And I really look forward to speaking to him again. Just really smart, really insightful, took a ton of notes. I hope you did too. You can check out what he's up to over at lynnindustries.com. That's L-Y-N-N industries.com. If you have thoughts, theories, questions, or if you agree or disagree with anything that was said today, I'd love to hear from you. I'm super interested in this topic. Email me, Dan at tropicalmba.com. So that's it for this week. We'll be back as always, completely different topic next week. Come by Thursday morning, 8 a.m. to find out what it will be. We'll see you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.